Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this week we have a special bonus episode. It is our live coverage from the Defy Film Festival where we did man on the scene, roaming interviews, some party sound, and we did some interviews with filmmakers as well. So the sound throughout isn't pristine, but it's all worthwhile all brings a lot of value. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Thank you so much. And thanks to Defy and all the filmmakers that came by and talked to me and the Make It podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Jacqueline Bethany. I am the writer director of the feature film Highway One, and I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi. Jacqueline Bethany, welcome to the Make It Podcast. And we Thank are you. live here at the Defy Film Festival. And this is uh, an unusual treat because we're not typically on site at a festival. We are this time. And this festival is all about. Um, Outside the box films, defiant cinema. So how would you define defiant cinema? In relation to my film or just in general? In general and maybe in relation to your film. I love both of those. Okay. Um, I think that defiant cinema can be many different things. It makes me think of art house cinema. It makes me think of queer cinema. It makes me think of world cinema, things that are not mainstream or commercial. Um, so it's really exciting to find indie film, true indie festivals or um, avant-garde festivals that take risks in programming. Um, I guess my film definitely applies to that because it mixes genre and um, has a very kind of uh, different array of cast of characters you don't normally see in a movie. And there's different quirks and, and things that are unique to the world of the film. Um, like all the characters have Russian names. It all takes place at a New Year's Eve party. A lot of stuff is kind of left unexplained. There's a hint of magical realism. Um, so I can definitely see how it fits into that. It's also an international cast. Um, three of them are here with me on the podcast. How did you, how did, yeah, how, how did you, for those who can't see, we're surrounded here with, with your cast. And, and how did you find an international cast being from where you're from and yeah, in, in well, I lived in London for a year and a half. Ah. And before that, I was in New York. And then I went to grad school at AFI in L.A. So it was like I knew I had a pretty large network of being from all of those different places. And I kind of for Highway One, it was cast through word of mouth, yeah. which was really fun. So I like cast two or three people I really wanted to work with. And then they sort of referred me to other people. And then I would remember someone that I met. And I would reach out to them about a role. And so it kind of came together that way. And people came in from England and sort of all <laughs> over to do it. So it was really special. Yeah. It, so, okay. Let's rewind. What inspired this movie? Give the audience, the listener, a sense of what this movie is about. 
well, what it's about, um, it's about the main, I guess, storyline is a woman, a young woman from a small town in off of the Highway 1 in California who is sort of remiss with her life and unhappy and wants to kind of find herself. And so she's, she goes to this New Year's Eve party with all her high school friends, but they're all, you know, approaching 30 and sort of having these, like, crisis moments. And um, there are all these different people there. And um, she is surprised to see her best friend from high school who moved away, who comes back and comes to the party. And it kind of opens up, like, a whole like slew of feelings for her. And then, um, she's sort of surrounded by these like kind of crazy millennials. Um, as the night goes on, things become sort of wilder and spooky and, and, um, all of the characters sort of have these like crisis moments, which are really fun. Um, so are the crisis moments scary or comedic? No, they're not scary. At all, I don't think. I mean, there's like some. There's a little bit of spookiness, but yeah. nothing that. Um, it's more just like relationship crisis. Everyone is, I think. There's not really many single people. I mean, I guess there are single, but they're all wanting that connection, and I think that's all being in like a, t- a small, you know, a house together for one evening can bring out like those feelings. So, what inspired it? Um, well, one thing I really wanted to do is I really wanted to make a, a film that was um, an ensemble piece and that was also about um, my generation, I guess. And the and but actually what another th- kind of the style of the making of the piece was really fun and exciting to me because it was it was pretty much improvised. Right. We had like a 40 to 50 page outline treatment and then we had a couple days of rehearsal where you know, I was kind of gauging what people could do, and then we put it together while we were shooting. So that was really exciting. Wow, it's an incredible timeline, actually. Um, it makes me think about, you know, a lot of filmmakers' first step is to write that first thing and just shoot it. Mm-hmm. And then invariably you get on set and you find out that it's not going to work as smoothly as you'd hope. Was there something like that on on your set where you were surprised by something or you had to have you know, no, I mean, creative sure. ingenuity to, to, I think, to pull something off. I think that always happens. I think there was just more logistical problems with like time. And so we couldn't shoot every single thing that we wanted to and uh, stuff like yeah. that. But so, um, it was more sort of making the most of the time that we had to shoot this particular story and like what was sort of important from each facet of, of, of the story. Those are always tough, tough decisions. Um, I remember we did a film where the cinematography and the shot was so beautiful. We shot it in France and the two protagonists are coming up out of a pool together and it was just the perfect shot. I mean, it's like a goosebump inducing shot. And then we realized in the screen testing that it made these two characters that were brother and sister look like they were in a romantic relationship and we had to drop it from the movie. And so the, one of the most, the, arguably the prettiest shot in the whole movie isn't in the movie, but you have to make those choices, whether it be logistics or with what ends mm-hmm. up on the cutting room floor. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, finish this sentence. Uh, as a filmmaker, I defy the expectation that. Is thought of me, is given to me. I don't know. I'm like a. You know, I'm a woman from the South and um, there's not, I don't know, many female filmmakers from from the South. And 
to my knowledge and, uh, and and just in general. I think it's been an, a male-dominated industry for a long time. There's not um, a lot of like queer cinema or story storytellers or alternative stories being told. I think it's there, we're seeing more of that, and there's more festivals that are catering towards that. Um, but that is something you know. I'm always figuring out how can I. What, how, what's important to me? How can I put what's important, what's relevant right now? How can I put my own spin on it in a way that feels personal to me? And so I'm not just making something to be cool or whatever. And I think that some people in this industry get very caught up in like trying to be, you know, the make the best first feature possible. And I think that's the reason why things don't get made. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, it's really tricky because in, in, in the other industry, uh, you get a lot of at-bats, you get a lot of opportunities to, to polish and hone, but in film, because the product is more expensive than what you can sell it to an individual for, you don't get those at-bats. And that's why there's pressure on a filmmaker to make that first film this sort of breakout uh, unicorn, mm. and it just isn't very likely, yeah. because you just don't know what you don't know when you're making your film. And so you really do need to formulate a team, have people around you. Um, we, we call it no mercenaries. Um, people who you can just make films with over and over and over again, including a banking partner or, or, or a financing partner that allows you to get a second back because they know that your third film is going to break out. Well, and this, they don't have to worry about the first one. And this is this was my second film. So, right. you know, it's I didn't. I, I knew I wanted to make a lot of movies yeah, and I, I think you will. So yeah. <laughs> you seem super determined and um, you're right. You know, there, there I can think of a lot of female filmmakers, but in general, you're right. It's a male dominated field uh, in the South, especially. And then um, there's a lot of female filmmakers we talk to here where they're still sort of held back by their upbringing religiously like down here you get a lot of that where it's like oh i don't want to make this kind of film or i can't push that limit because there's somebody that's going to be disappointed in me interesting yeah instead of just that. being totally free to make what you what mm -hmm. you want to make um as a female filmmaker from the south a bit of a unicorn yourself what what's one piece of advice you'd give any female filmmaker that's listening to this right now I don't know. That's a hard question. Um, I think like I think you should just try to make something like whether that is on your iPhone or like with like a professional, whatever you can do. I think it's important to keep like making stuff and trying or writing like just trying to generate content, generate your voice because people are always there's always going to be some stip stipulation even if you do make you get your film done. Then there's a whole other thing that happens. So I think just. I guess the feeling of being able to to make create and con to constantly generating ideas, even if it's just one thing, it'll it'll help you keep going. In my opinion, that's great. I think that's great advice. And this has been fun, awesome. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media, on the internet, and maybe even see some of your work. Um, well, <laughs> I have an Instagram, but um, it's not everyone has an Instagram. It's Jacqueline Bethany. Um, and one of my, my features, Indigo Valley, is on Amazon, Apple TV, and Voodoo, I think. And then this movie, Highway One, is just this is our second festival. We premiered at Santa Barbara, and then we're going to Europe next and a bunch of other places. So I don't know. I And then these guys are 
are great too. You want to? Can they introduce yeah, can. themselves yeah, I was real say, quick? I was going to say you can't say these guys <laughs> and not let them introduce themselves. So, so, and yeah. tell them who you were in the film. Yeah, please. Yeah, go ahead. Um, my name is Elizabeth Yeoman, and I play Sasha in the film. And I'm from England, which is fun. <laughs> I'm Dan Shaked. I play Andre. You can find me at my Instagram, Dan Shaked. And um, yeah, I'm from New York. My name is Sophia Dan Walker. Oh. My name is Sophia Dan Walker, and I play Thalia in the film. And you can find me at Sophia Dan Walker. And like, if you just Google that, and <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All you guys have been wonderful. We'll, we'll end on this. Um, we'll you know, be remiss if I didn't bring up COVID and the way it's changed everything over the last year and a half uh, plus. Um, what do you love about being in person here at a film festival? I've been lucky, honestly, because I think Highway 1 got in somewhere when people were trying to go back in person. So we premiered in April and things have been like wonky, you know. Um, and so it feels very lucky to be able to have live screenings, honestly, and not just be on a computer or on a TV, because I think that exposure is great, but I think you can get lost very easily as an independent filmmaker in all of the streaming that's happening. And I don't know. I mean, it's we're lucky to be here. We're lucky to be alive. You know, there's there's a lot of more crazier things going on in the world than um, than this. But it feels special to be able to celebrate it in person for sure. You make a great point too. That there is there's there's like this deluge of content through streaming and there's a, like a new phenomenon happening. You know, if, if you were to talk to a friend 15 years ago and they were to say, oh, have you seen so-and-so show or movie? You would have known the show or movie. You'd be like, oh, I haven't caught up to it yet, but I will. But thanks for the recommendation. You're like the second person that's told me to watch this. Today, someone recommends something to you. You've never heard of it. Like it's a net new mm -hmm. experience right. for you. Like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's on Netflix. Really? Okay. And then you go There's check so it out. <laughs> and so that is this new interesting thing that's happening that I think independent creatives can take advantage of because sure. it's like you don't have to be a known entity to be successful. You just need to find your people now and then make sure it's good, good to great, obviously, because it's uh, if it's bad, it's still not going to make it to the streamer. Mm -hmm. So that's the key. I wish all four of you the best of luck. I know you don't need it. You Thank all you. seem like you're well on your way. Thank you for spending Thank some time you. with the Make It Podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I'm like, yeah. And I got to talk to the filmmaker like afterwards, and it was phenomenal. Because it was the last film that they showed that night, and the end of that movie is probably the best reaction of any audience I've ever seen in my life. Period. Yeah. Any audience it's, at any festival. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're, you're now, the good thing about this place is you can, uh, you know, you can meet filmmakers and, you know, like I'm a Nashville filmmaker too, so it's, yeah. you know, we just all come hang out and see our friends, but you get to see all these other people coming in from all over the world yeah. doing things, right? That's right. We just interviewed somebody that was that's lived in London and L.A. Yeah. And like this is the reason why this is my favorite film festival. We try to do is we try to... It's about did you did you surprise us? You know, did you make us think about something in a different way? And the most important thing is is there intention? 
that that is at the heart of what we're looking for. You know, you got to make it work for us. But is there a voice there? Is there is there, you know, look, a lot of the filmmakers we get in that have talent. But is there a distinct voice? It, do you have something to say? Because if you you know, because I mean, look, there's good stuff everywhere. But what we're trying to do is have a baseline of 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 artists that that are pushing the boundaries in a way that we haven't seen before, you know. And but it doesn't mean that you know it's experimental film. That's that we do, well, obviously experimental film is a big part of our festival. But I mean, within a rom com, you can have something interesting going on. You know, within within a horror film, you can have something interesting going on. Did you surprise us in one of these genres? You know what I mean? Because we don't care about genre. We don't care about, you know, uh, we, we accept all genres. We want it all, right? We want animation, we want horror, we want sci-fi, we want drama, you know, we want documentaries, you know what I mean? But did you make it work and did you surprise us? And did you take, did you take us somewhere where we didn't expect? And at the end of the day, did you make us think about it long after we left? Hey, my name is Christopher Ryan Laughter. I'm a writer-director, and I'm the director of Snow Globe, a short film that just played at Defy Fest. Evan, Evan Carl, Carl, Christopher, Christopher welcome, welcome to the Make It Podcast. And what a night it's been. Wow. So we just wrapped, just to let everyone know, we just wrapped our last block of films. There are certain films that have, that have sort of stood out, uh, uh, head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, they're all unique, though. They're all films designed in this festival to put you back on your heels. There was a movie called Touch that everyone has talked about tonight, too. The Israeli uh, teenage girl. Um, all the emojis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually really special. It was nice to experience that story from the perspective of another culture. Yes, where it's like, okay... Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to to be loved and be seen against the backdrop of Syria, Israel, Middle East conflict and, and world. That's it's something that Billy said earlier, which is, you know, to get into this festival, have a POV. Um, there's a lot of people that just think I can show something really um, grotesque on screen. I can show this murder. I can show this terrible thing that happens, or I can be really weird. But if there's not a story attached to it, if there's not a POV, if you don't have anything to say, then that's then that doesn't meet the bar. And I think sometimes as filmmakers, we get in our own heads. We're like, well, I don't have anything big or amazing to say. That's not where I'm at in my life. I don't have a take on Roe v. Wade or something. But you don't have to. Yeah. You can be as simple as, I'm lonely. Let me tell a great story around that. I'm sad. Let me tell a story. I want to be seen. Let me tell a story about that. I'm angry. Let me tell a story about that. So that's uh, that's what I love about this festival in general. Yeah, I think you can get into a... You know what I mean? I if, you, if you think that uh, you're going to make a film that everyone wants to see because, you know, you're like, uh, this is, this is the big struggle everyone's talking about. Yeah, but are, are, do you care about it? Because you know, if you don't care about it, we're going we're gonna to see it. Yeah, we're going to see through it. We're going to see through it. I feel, I feel like that's going on today. Um, there are some issues that are just like, oh, this can't miss. 
right? So, I, right, we get pitched, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff. We get pitched uh, Trump stuff. We get pitched. There's, there are certain things where it's like, but are you the person that needs to make it? Are you trying to latch on to something that's happening right now in the mm -hmm. zeitgeist? That you feel can't miss probably, as a filmmaker. Probably, probably it's probably tough to filter through, through that. Well, you, well you, you always can when you get to the script and you get to the planning. Yeah. Once you yeah. get to the part where you want to be in development or you read the story, then it all just, it all, that's the, that's the, the truth. Right now, all the other stuff is just, you know, bullshit. It's just like the, the fluff. You get down to the script and you're reading it and you're like, is this good or not? Is it good or not? And, and that could be a story about uh, zombie pirates, or that could be a story about uh, MLK. Is it good? That's all. Right. It's a, and that you can't hide from. You can't hide from that from the 15 grammatical, er grammatical errors you made in the first 20 pages. You can't hide <laughs> yeah. from that. You either did that or you didn't do it. That's, that's kind of where, where I see it. Um, finish this, this sentence for me, Evan. As a filmmaker, I defy the expectation that. Hmm. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I defy the expectation um, that you need a lot of money to make a film. Interesting. So, talk to us about that. What? Why um, don't you need a lot of money to make a film? Because. Well, that's, I mean, it's part of the creative process. And I think, you know, people will often see it as something that limits you as a filmmaker. But when you have those constraints, you know, you can't do this because you don't have the money to do this. It's sort of, it, I, I think in some ways it, it like strangely, it helps you make a film and it helps you be creative. So yeah, if that, if that makes any sense. I think so. And, and I just talked to Ted Welch who, uh, just had the blessing of being in a Scorsese film with um, DiCaprio and uh, De Niro. And he just had like the four lines, but, but he was in the same scene with them and he got to watch them work. And he was saying how Scorsese just shoots what he's going to cut. Like there, there's no cuts and he never saw someone so efficient and smooth. Right. And that saves money. That's what that is. That's ingenuity. And then he talked about DiCaprio, where he's like, he watched uh, a take, uh, uh, then uh, or did a take, went back, saw his playback, came back and made, maybe he had his head like this the first take, and then he had it like that the next take, and then like that the next take. This is DiCaprio, DiCaprio, DiCaprio that, made this, that he saw his own take. Not, I, mean, not, I mean, not a lot of actors have that. Have that luxury. <laughs> have that luxury, you know right. what I mean? No, and he, so, and he uh, said uh, that. He admitted, sorry, you can't right? see the monitor. Yeah, I'm saying like, uh, let me go. Uh, like, can we just do another one? <laughs> you yeah. mind, can you, uh, Marty? Do you mind if we uh, do one more? I'm gonna move my head. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can pull he that has off. An that, that <laughs> almost no actor has. That is what we even talked about. But, but he could see, Ted could see like, oh, this is why uh, you're one of the greatest of all time because he said by the time they did the take that it was actually going to be shot, perfect, unbelievable. Like from an acting perspective. It's, it's almost like, you know, cause I mean, I imagine he's a producer on this thing, you yeah, know, probably. so he's got, he's wearing a couple of different hats and the same thing, not the same thing, <laughs> we're, but yeah. you know, we were, you know, we're <laughs> not at all the same thing, but you know, we make it, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, when you're wearing a couple of different hats, you are looking at, uh, 
stepping back from that, from just your role as an actor. And, and so it's probably very difficult, but uh, yeah, I imagine that's, you know, it just as from an acting perspective, that's gotta be difficult because, you know, you don't want to, you know, as much as you know that the camera's there, obviously, you're not a crazy person, you know the camera's there, but you wanna deliver a performance that is not um, restrained by, you know, the camera. Right. And, you know, to go back and look and say like, oh, my head was in one place when it should have been somewhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's, 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 I just imagine it's difficult to do. And I would say, too, to your point, it's a big advantage. Yeah. You yeah. Know, because, you know, video to, to see. Uh, I remember I was growing up. My sister was a cheerleader. My middle sister, Michelle, she's a cheerleader. She could dance her ass off. I couldn't dance. Being able to see how I looked while I danced, I learned how to dance in, in a month. That was all it took a month, and I was mm -hmm. a great dancer because I could stop doing the Elaine tiny kicks. Yeah, you yeah, little I kicks. Could the, I could see the, oh, that's a little oh, kick. I, I better kick. stop doing that. <laughs> but you don't but know. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't understand so you it, you can't change it. Mm -hmm. And right. it makes you wonder if more actors should be able to see their playback so they can say, oh, that's how, that's how I'm going to look on screen. Huh? Well, you absolutely should. But uh, when you're watching your face and you're, you're watching a movement that you mm. know was true at the time, and then you see something like, I don't really, you know, buy this or whatever. But, you know, you know it was true to you at the, at the time. Now you're judging your, your performance from a different perspective. Right. And I think it can, it can screw you up a little bit. Or if, or if you just, like, see something that you do on camera, you're like, oh, I didn't like that. And then you start thinking yeah, about exactly. that you, and it just that, ruins that, yeah, your... You're like, I don't like it because maybe you don't like how you look when you do that. Or maybe uh -huh. you don't like the right. person you are when you're this person. There's a million factors could be. Right. But it, did it resonate? Did it give the character's point of view? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. was it good? <laughs> right. The big question I had is, is, it, is seeing that and understanding how it, these masters work, is it going to affect your acting in the future? And the answer was no. It, it wasn't going to affect his acting. I said, well, that's interesting, right? Like, it's not going to change you. But it's yeah. because... You can't change you because you don't have that yet. Wow. Not wow. just the opportunity. Uh, yeah. So not just the maybe the talent or skill set yet, but also the opportunity to to be that free on set, like he could be. That's that's rare to do that. So I mean, you, that's I mean, we all. I mean, I would love to get to a point where I could do something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so right. well, good for him. That's why. That's why he's awesome. Right. He wants off set. <laughs> the movie, yeah, the movie's yeah. over. So that's that's kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What was, the, what, was the, what was the question again? The I, I defy. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was the, just to finish the sentence, as a filmmaker, I defy the expectation that a film costs lots of money to make. Did you have a take on that about just yeah. the cost yeah. of yeah. film? Do you, want, you have one? No, I, go ahead. I defy the expectation. I defy the expectation that we must be afraid of the unknown. Oh. oh. Let's talk about that a little bit. What? Um, I believe, I, 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 I truly believe that filmmaking is the opportunity to explore the unknown. Every time, we make Every time we make a film, we go into the we know, we know some things, but we don't know it all. Right, and, right. And it can, be, it can be terrifying, it can be terrifying for some. It can be exciting, exciting for others. It's an opportunity to dive, dive into it. And we're working with all, all, these, all, these, all these moving parts, and we must go into it with this control, control material. material. Know that, and know that maybe we don't have, control, we don't have control, of control of all the variables that go into making When you go into sets, you don't know what's going to not work. Um, was there a moment like that for you in, 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 in making this film? Is there one that sticks out to you that maybe the independent filmmakers that are listening to this right now could, could, could maybe, you know, 
gain value from knowing? Mm -hmm. Well, well, um, um, I mean, I mean, we shot we shot this film in a day. Big, heavy material. How many pages? I'm making this number up right now as we speak. So I'm, could be completely. Yeah, but, but I, I believe it. It's, 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 it's a nine inch. It's a nine inch. You could have said anything. Yeah, it's been it. a while. It's like it was written two years ago, and I, you know, I, I did all the editing. So I've been in, I've been in it, hands in the mud, hands in the quicksand for a while. And now it's out. This is the first time anybody's seen it. Um, and so, um, my big learning was, um, I, this is the first time I ever worked with like a storybook narration on top of a story and trying to play with timing. Okay. So not only do we have the performance in the space, we have the narration on top. How do you engage narration and timing for narration and performance and then get and, and have a nice uh, rhythm to the whole thing. Um, and I learned a lot by just exploring it. Um, and uh, I won't have someone reading the narration on set again. <laughs> you hear it. Right? You're trying to, oh, you're trying to use sound design. Yeah. You, know, you, want to you use had someone sweet, reading it? Yeah, yeah, just to try to mm. find the flow. And in, in the, in the, in the, some of the first edits, the, um, the uh, protagonist, Maisie, um, she's engaging with the narration. It's an omnipotent narrator, but it's also where this, mm -hmm. the first half of this film takes place. Is it, is it reality? Is it in her head? Is it, right. It's kind of like, like there's question marks around that intentionally. Um, so she's engaging with yeah. it. And then, yeah. and then mini versions of the edit later, it's like, yeah, let's get rid of that. It really wasn't helping the story. It's really about what's helping the story, what's helping, what's going to help the audience actually get this riddle of a short film. Right. Short films are hard. Honest. Yeah. To, to allow the audience to get it, be very, be yeah, because, it, because it, of the short it, amount of time. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah for it sure. feels like in a short film you can you can get in your own way. You know, in terms of just trying to be cute or just or just like oh, oh this is going to be different because you know how many can't tell you how many times we um, see filmmakers make a short film and do some really outrageous stuff with the camera that is not required to tell the story, right? Like you have a drama, why did you, you know, why do you have this Aronofsky set up? <laughs> like, like, like what, is, what is going on? Like, what is, why? Because I needed to show it in my reel. Yeah, why, why is the camera so close <laughs> to the sky's like eyes? Something else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like some film school stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like just, yeah. 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 And, that, that, and that plays out because you, you so desperately want to be different. And what's hard and what really is heavy lifting is telling a great story in a very short yeah, period of time. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, the toughest part, even, you know, writing something like that is just to have a beginning, middle, and end and, like, have a nice little complete story that, you, you know, in such a short amount of time. It's not, you, you don't have, uh, you know, an hour and a half to tell that story. Right. Right. Well, that's okay. A lot of people, when they're doing a short, just kind of right. jumps right into it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like you're right in the... Right in the film you're like, you're like in the inciting incident yeah you're in the scene of the feature yeah. right? <laughs> right? It's like, right. Carl what's uh, one piece of advice you can give to uh, actors filmmakers out there if you had to give one uh, uh, if I had to give one piece of advice I would say just uh, keep working and keep doing doing it keep, keep, keep working on your craft I mean you're never 
good enough. You know, like, Are you know, there any like, tactics or tools? Do you do you watch Netflix? Do you read books? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you, you get to watch stuff. What, like, what are uh, some of your tools for study yes, and getting yes, I watch and I read. Yeah. I read things. I read books and stuff. <laughs> No, but I think you always have to keep working on your craft. Like I really, I think. Um, do you stand in a mirror? Yeah, yeah. No, I do not say. You know, when I'm like, you know, after the shower, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not acting in front of it. But uh, no, but I think you have to keep working on your craft, and that goes with anybody. You know, you have to keep working and uh, and doing it because you can. It's it's like a muscle. You know, you can you can lose it, and, and you can lose passion for things, and and uh, you know, and you want to be the best at what you do, and I think it if you keep doing something, you're going to be really good at it. Like you keep, you keep working at it. You keep, I mean, I always, I go to class all the time. I'm always trying to find something that challenges me, work that challenges me. You know, I, I look for the flaws in my own work and try to fix those and, or, or try to get better at it. You know, you know, I'd never be perfect, but you want to keep working, right? I think they think they're born with this thing. Here's my passion. And it can never be taken away from me, whether I practice it or not, because that's my passion. I live for the, but that's not true, is it? No, no, it's not. Well, because I think of it, I was just, what came to my head was like, you know, I've always wanted, I've always wanted to play guitar. Always want to have a, had a guitar since I was like 12 years old. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll learn like a Bruce Springsteen song on YouTube. And that's it. Like, and I always think like, I want to play. I want to, I never Ever like fucking learn how to play guitar. I, 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 I'll, I'll go out, I'll come out and play a strum. I'm like, I can sing this song. And then I, then I put it away. Like, but it's not that way with, you know, writing and acting. Like those are, I, you can tell like that, or I can tell that that's something I'm really passionate about. You know, I have like an idea of like, oh, it'd be cool to play guitar. But, but in order to do that, people really do it. I need to practice every single day. I need to wake up and think about it. And I need to wake up and be like, oh, when am I going to do this next? You know, how could I make this, you know, how can I write this song? Like, I don't have that in me. So I already know that. Okay, so I'm not going <laughs> to so learn guitar. It's like the idea like, is a type of almost a platitude you tell to yourself. Right. I mean, I've, right. I mean, I've, hopefully I can, by, you know, get past that and hopefully some learn guitar. some guitar. Well, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I feel like that was a decent example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was a guitar player before I was a filmmaker. Interesting. Okay. Filmmaking is the most difficult. Ever. 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 Writing and playing guitar. Learning. Like, learning it. It's like, you just have, I mean... Just yeah, you, you do it, you do it and then and then I go, oh, I got well, and, then, well, and, then, and, then, and then I don't pick it up for another yeah, three right, weeks. Right, right. Yeah. You know? Well also, well, also you know, part of the fact that, you know, when you make a film, you need people that you need, you need help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, have to, to, what is it, corral the truth. What's, what's that quote? And forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but it's like an artist needs a brush and like a... Uh, a writer needs a pen, but a filmmaker needs an army. Mm. And, I like, and I think it's like Orson Welles or something yeah. like I Forgive me if I'm butchering that quote. Somebody said it. It wasn't me, but I'm relaying it because it's really true. So. Yeah, I find that to be absolutely the case. And um, oh, Chris, go ahead. You had, you had a thought. I, 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 I just want to share on the topic of the discussion, the words of advice. It's yeah, like, yeah, please. The thing that I think about all is, is now, now, after, after I've made, after made uh, five, uh, five short films, films prior to, prior to first, the one first one, I was terrified of making narrative work. I did a lot of commercial work and branded documentary mm -hmm. stuff. Um, um, and now that I've made, now five, that I've made five, all that I can, all that really I can think really think about is like, is Get out, get of, out your of your own way, way. because there are plenty of people stop, who will stop doing what you really want to be doing. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. It's and it you don't want to be <laughs> yet another person stopping you 
from from moving forward. How do you convince yourself that you're worthy of the opportunity that's that's ahead of you? And just be a little bit better. Even you don't want to always go at that pace, but can I be a little better today than I was the day before? Can I make progress towards a thing? Guitar playing, I resonate with me. I've had a, I've, I have a piano in my house. I play piano every day. I'm a musician, but I have a guitar back there, and that's just for the looks. It's just because it looks cool to have a guitar a sitting there by a piano, and it's just like, Chris, you got to pick that up and learn to play more than just C. You got to play some different chords. Yeah, you just, you, sometimes you just want to be that guy at the campfire, just the guy who's like, I got this, guys. Let me play the song that everyone could sing along to. Yeah, probably not. That's, a, you know, that's <laughs> the thing. Can I just play one new chord tomorrow? Yeah, let me play one song. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, at the yeah, end of the day, you know, we'll get it all done. Get that jazz, get that jazz, get that jazz, get that jazz, get that jazz look, look. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's all. They tell you that's all skills. So you just like play the scales over and over again, and then you'll start to learn jazz and blues, right, and right. that's kind of the thing. But that hurts the shit out of your fingers. So, you know. Maybe we'll stick with piano. <laughs> hey, that's a yeah, but statement. Yeah. And we need yeah. some more yes. That's right. That's, that's right. Shame on me. Shame on me. We'll go back. We'll edit that out. And we'll set I will play those jazz licks. And you guys, uh, by the way, uh, have inspired me just in the conversation. You guys are all three uh, different kind of personalities, different types of uh, tempos and paces, but so um, uniquely uh, uh, aligned in the thing you want to do. And that's really uh, inspiring. Uh, tell everybody, Chris, we'll start with you, where we can find you on social media, where we can find you on the internet, maybe even see some of your work, maybe watch Snow Globe. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I'm most active, I'm most active on, Instagram. on Instagram. You can find me at, at, at Ryan Laughter. Uh, is laughter your real last name? Sorry. Laughter, is, laughter my is my last name. Are you a comedian? Yeah, that's a great last name. Lauder. I'm the first to really push into the laughter. Uh, oh, a great move. Big move. It feels right to me. You know, I'm just going to go my own way, carve my own path. You're the only laughter uh, I know, and that makes you one of one. I think it's a great move. I think it's a great move. I have a, a, a pseudonym that I use for music because Barkley has already been taken by so many other people. All right, Carl. Tell us where we can find you on social media uh, on the internet. Yeah, social media. Yeah, social media um, it's, uh, just my name, Carl Girolamo. Spell that. Spell uh, your last name. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, Carl with a K and it's G I R O L A M O. So CarlGirolamo.com. Awesome. I keep my, I keep, I keep my Insta. I try to do my Instagram private. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I feel like I'm the last one. I'm like, uh, why, why? Why do you want? Because because you know. Yeah, that's crazy. Because you know why? Because I don't. I. It's. I don't know. I just feel like I. There's stuff on there that's my personal life, and and like I know it was my, my wife. gonna get him a ton of followers. No, 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 no. My, my wife is there. No, don't follow me. My, 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 I don't care because I don't give a shit. Don't follow me because because my wife, my family's on there. Like I don't I don't need people, strange people, to just like look at my pictures for no reason. You know, like if, if you like my work, if you, if you want, you know, we'll go to carlgeralmo.com and you know, but don't follow me on Instagram. And, and you know, out of spite, out of spite, people will follow me. But uh, but. Uh, <laughs> But I know you. I'll accept you. I accept you. I can. I like that. I can do it. But uh, yeah, so you go there and um, I'm working on our um, show uh, Pam and Tommy, which will be out in in the fall. And then that's the next thing I'm doing. And that's uh, that's it. Super excited about that. Where is Pam? Where can we see Hulu? Hulu. Wonderful. So excited for you. So excited. Pam and Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Pam and Tommy. Yeah. 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 Super excited for you, man. Congratulations. That's that's going to be incredible. Evan, 
bring us home. Where can we find you on social media? Maybe right see on, some of your right work. On. Watch We're Bakersfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, more than welcome, more than welcome, welcome to follow me. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, like, I don't know if I, I post that, post that interesting stuff on, stuff on Instagram, Instagram, but you're more than welcome to follow me. Sometimes I post film stuff on there. But that's just at Evan Sorlene, just my my full name. My last name is S-O-R-L-I-E-N. And then my website where you can see all the work that I do um, is just evansorlean.com and there's a lot of stuff stuff on there there's some filmmaking stuff stuff, but I'm an editor so there's a lot of like promo and trailer work and there's all sorts of stuff on there so I'll end on this gentlemen Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, COVID and uh, the effect it's had and here we are face to face for the first time in a year and a half plus uh, what does it mean to you to be uh, face-to-face at a film festival once again, Evan? Uh, it's amazing. It's, you know, it's really great to be around people again. And this is, you know, film festivals. It's so important to be like a community, you know, and to meet people and to network. So I'm so happy to be back. And uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same. Yep. Are you, will you guys be here tomorrow? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. We'll see you there. Gentlemen, I'd wish you luck, but you don't need it. This was <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. I Thank appreciate you. So you. Much. What does defiant cinema mean to you? It means going to the cinema in the middle of a pandemic. That is the most unique answer of the night. Congratulations. Well done. What's your name? Uh, I don't get my name out. I'm just kidding. Andy. Was that, is it only Andy in the pandemic and it was something else before? Uh, it was Andrew and then it shortened to Andy. <laughs> Well done. Can you give me your name? Sally. Sally. I love that name. Okay. So, what does Defiant Cinema mean to you? Defiant Cinema. It's telling stories that are not typically told in the mainstream. I like stories that people don't think are going to make any money. (laughs) Yes, um, I loved, I really, really loved the, I, I don't remember the name of it, but the social media one with the, with the goth girl, it's just, it's so beautiful. How, I don't know, people don't know how to be in the world, and then you find a film that shows you how they actually are, you know, <laughs> it's beautiful, I loved it. Oh, Randa, boring. Yep, 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 yep. No, no, Randa's a great name. Nobody has it. You're a one of one. Okay, so here's the question of the night. What does defiant cinema mean to you? Oh, defiant cinema, which is the Defy Festival is what we're... (laughs) So here we are. I'm sorry, it was a last minute. We're coming last minute, so... Well, this is my first time at the festival, and... Honestly, the dramedy short block was amazing. I was blown away. I really loved the last film, the Israel film. Yeah, the Israeli teenager. I uh, a touch. There were all the subtitles, but all I mean, all the films are great. I mean, the priest was great. Um, I loved the. The swim one? What was the swim one? Do you remember the swim one? 
It was really dark. But also, it reminded me the pool, yeah, where the flamingo just like just blows up. It reminded me a little bit of a play, the play that we're doing right now. So, yeah, I love. So, defiant cinema, I think, means to to defy the odds, you know, and to to push past your limit. Element of surprise. I love that. Thank you very much. Defiant cinema means to me um, telling stories that you want to tell rather than telling stories that you think are commercial. And so as a result, you make films that are yours, the stories that you want to tell. And I think that's the what about Defy I like as a film festival is that they uh, exhibit films that resonate with you and, and connect with you as an audience, not necessarily up from, on a commercial standpoint, uh, and it's, uh, but more on a uh, more surface standpoint. Here we are, Corby Linker at the Defy Film Festival. Welcome back to the Make It Podcast. Man on the street here. We're asking everyone one question. What does defiant cinema mean to you? Well, tonight it means uh, variety and I would say a raw and earnest exploration of issues that are important to the filmmakers who made the films that I watched. So I watched like five films uh, on a number of different, uh, a number of themes and uh, tones. There were some comedies and there were some um, serious treatments and, you know, I was just talking with my wife, Randa, about it a few moments ago, about how inspiring it was to walk away from uh, a, not just a, a single film, but you know, a series of films, and just realize how many... The way forward in storytelling is as wide open as your imagination can reach. You know? And um, so that, to me, was extremely inspiring, and I'm kind of riding a high from it right now and I'm looking forward to next year's bank of films did any film surprise you take you out of your comfort zone there was the one that the one that was um, not like visually most like striking but the storytelling was just so gripping all the way through was an Israeli film touch. touch yeah about that that girl that has kind of a you know a modern teenager's version of a crush we could say this is told from my perspective in my advanced years. Um, but it was, there was, you know, there was an element of this thing that we're all dealing with, which is like the role that screens play in our communications. But then there was, because it was set in the Middle East, there was kind of a, a, a little foray out into, you know, Israeli versus Syrian culture bridged between two teenage girls. Um, and then at the end of the day, it was like a simple love story about the thing that's never changed with people, which is the desire to see and be seen and to be loved. And it was like, it was really moving. And as a, from like a storytelling perspective, as a, a viewer, I just, from frame one, I was in the story and never stopped. I never went like, oh, I check my phone or, oh, like until the very last moment. I'm like, that's the bar. Corby, thanks for the time, man. Yeah, my pleasure. It's glad to be here. Oh, man. I've just 
it's just really good to see people again, you know, and just just soaking up the ambiance and look, just seeing seeing filmmakers that I know and love and like talking to them and like talking to them about art. It's phenomenal. Tell the people who you are, Kevin. Well, I am. Uh, uh, I'm an editor here. In, I'm a video editor here in town. I work for a company that produces corporate media, but I am also a uh, like. I also write screenplays on the side. I'm also a film critic here in town, and like, uh, and I'm also like, I'm also a director. Like, uh, like, you're fucking everything. Yes, pretty much. Everything but producing. There it is. All right, I appreciate you. Thank you. You are quite welcome. Hello. What to you is the definition of defiant cinema? Defiant cinema. I think it's like a version of art and any art. I mean, cinema, if that's what we're talking about. But a version of it where you don't care about the industry. You don't care about the number of people that see it or watch it or monetize it. You make the art you want to make. I love that. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Okay. So my name is Meredith. I Meredith who? Okay, Meredith Krigowski. Try spelling that one. It's more it's more phonetic than you think. Um, I am a musician. I'm a fiddle player. So I I have I have gone deep into the rabbit hole of what art means and and what validated art means and um, who tells me that my art is validated and what is good and what is bad and I have seen I have feel like I've experienced every level of that so especially when it comes to cinema which I don't have a lot of experience with necessarily as an artist but when I see really good film and really good cinema that is what I want to celebrate so if anything it's that's that's where I come from that idea of like Independent cinema is the same as independent art. It's like, do you. Like, make the art you're going to make and don't apologize for it because it will speak to somebody. We hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode of the Make It Podcast live from Defy Film Festival. And we will be back per usual on Tuesdays with our indie talks and our bi-weekly interviews. Thank you. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Banzai Creative, and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film And you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Services 
to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.